So this is Dan. And this is David. Welcome to Campfire Stories, episode six. Um, This week we're going to be just talking about uh, kind of stories that have happened out in the woods that we've uh, gone through, I guess. Um, Just kind of interesting stories, I guess. How's that sound, Dave? That sounds like a lot of fun, Dan. You You have a good one in mind? Um... Maybe we'll I don't get there. know how good it is, but we'll see. I got one. Okay, okay. I always have a couple because um, I, I feel like no matter no matter what happens um, on a trip, you can always come back with a decent story. And uh, the first one that I'm going to start with, I guess, uh, I had. Uh, or I have now a three and a half year old German short haired pointer. And when I re- when when I got him a couple months in, I decided I was gonna take him on, on his first overnighter. Ah. Yeah. So I found a place that I was allowed to bring dogs to. It's called Mayaka State Forest. Uh, I had called the Rangers up to make sure that the place was dry and that I would in fact, be allowed to bring dogs, because a lot of places don't allow you to bring dogs uh, for their own safety, for your safety, due to other animals. So I drive down there. It's about a 45-minute drive. Um, I got the dog for the very first time in the back of my Jeep. Uh, He's eating potato chips on the way to (laughs) the, uh, on the way to the, the forest. As dogs and, are um, to do. Yeah, exactly. As as dogs are bound to do, he found he found a thing of stale potato chips in the back of the in the back of the jeep. So we get there, and a couple things to note: one, they don't take twenties, or they can't break twenties. They mm. only take they only take tens. They just don't have cash apparently. <laughs> so now I have to get back in the car. We're back in the Jeep, load the dog back up, and then go find the closest ATM, which was seriously like 20 or 30 minutes away. Wow. It was, it was ridiculous. They're like, oh, well, you go down this road and then, you know, take a left, take a right. You know, then you're going find, to finally come across a gas station. I get there. It's closed. <laughs> so now I got to go find another place that has one, which I did finally. Found an ATM. Uh... And I was able to take out a ten dollar bill. Which go back to what's that? I said finding a, an ATM with a ten dollar bill is hard enough to do. At least exactly. So I get my ten dollar bill. I head back. The ranger station is now closed. They expect me to put my ten dollar bill into an envelope and drop it into, you know, like a like a box, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. So honor code, I do that. And I throw the backpack on, get the dog all ready and head out. Now I reiterate, they told me that the trails were dry. Mm-hmm. Okay. My dog at this point is maybe three months old. So he's tiny. Um, he and I head out. I have him on a leash strapped to my backpack. 
It is about a two-mile hike to the camp spot that I have booked for the for the evening. Okay. I start out. It's you know cut grass for five, six, seven hundred feet or so. Then the grass starts to get a little bit taller. Now, mind you, the trails at Mayaka River State uh, Forest or Mayaka State Forest, sorry, are about the size of a two-line two-lane highway. Okay, so it's pretty it's pretty wide. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not something that it's just you. It I mean, this this could accommodate two cars going one way and two cars going the other way. It's it's a wide trail. Um, and it's it looks as if it has a history of being a road. Um, right. It's it's sunk down uh, a good foot and a half from the bank on its side. Uh, so when it does rain, it becomes a river. Right. You know, just right off the bat, it's going to become a river. So we start out, you know, it's cut grass, then it's slightly longer grass. Then it starts to get to wet, like big puddles almost, you know. And uh, about a mile in, just shy of a mile in, we are trudging through knee deep water, the dog and I. (laughs) And the dog is swimming like he's a dolphin. And he doesn't understand that this is not the water that you drink because this water has seen everything go through it. I mean, I don't even know what kind of stuff is floating in this in this water. Up ahead, I constantly see waves going through the water uh, formed by snakes that are scurrying quickly, swimming away from us. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what kinds of snakes these are. When we first pulled into the park, I guess I should preface this whole story with, or at least part of the story with, the fact that we were driving through a dirt road, and I saw the largest uh, diamondback uh, rattlesnake I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Its diameter at its thickest point was probably close to three inches, and it did not look like it had just eaten something. So now you're trying to find the dog. <laughs> no, no, no. The dog is is fully attached to me. Oh, uh, okay. I have his le- I have his leash tied to my backpack, and he's good. Um, but when you see what looks like it's probably a five foot long rattlesnake, and it coiled up and like stared at me, like it wanted to like I don't know attack my jeep or something, and it's a good three inches in diameter, and it's in its uh, biggest uh, portion. Uh, when you're, when you're walking down a really wide river of water and it's knee deep and it looks like it's getting deeper, um, and you see snakes running away from you, um, you, it gives you pause, makes you think, what the heck am I doing out here? (laughs) You know? And, but it was hilarious because meanwhile, the dog who's attached to me kept on acting like a buoy. Uh, he would stop without any, uh, notion to me or anything like that. He would just stop and, and start pooping out all the water that he's been drinking. (laughs) But he, you know how dogs have to get into that arched back kind of position with their butts and whatnot in order to poop. Yeah. He was doing that while floating. 
because the water was over his head. Um, and the water only, it, it did only get deeper. It got up to about my thigh. Uh, I came around the last kind of bend that we had to get to, um, before, like I had one long last stretch. It was, it was turn right, long stretch, and then the camp spot would be right there. But I came around this corner, uh, and it had begun to rain. I have my poncho on. I'm standing in a good two to two and a half feet of water. And I come around the, the bend And I look down this straightaway, and up until this point, I had been able to see the long grass, like the tips of the long grass. So I can kind of see or kind of tell or judge about how much water I'm in. Mm-hmm. Okay, because most most of the most of the grass had been about you know two or so, maybe three feet tall, but it was poking out of the top of the water, so I could kind of judge how much water I was about to go trudge through, yeah, and how much dog yeah. how much water the dog was going to be swimming in, and now I come around this corner and I don't see any grass. All I see is pond. <laughs> And it's raining, and I know I have to trudge all the way to the ed- to the other end of this pond. And this pond is pr- eh, close to one and a half football field lengths. Mm-hmm. And all I see are snakes going through it. Now, mind you, I live in Florida. There are alligators. Uh, there are water moccasins. There are obviously uh, rattlesnakes and whatnot. And I have no idea how many of these animals are in the water in front of me. I also have like a 40 pound backpack on and a 20 pound dog who has no idea what is going on, but he has massive diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) So it was at that moment I decided that I was going to turn around. (laughs) A wise decision. Yeah, well, the other thing is, is at the end of this pond that was laid in front of me uh, would be the, uh, it, that's where I was going to camp. And it is actually a really good idea that I did turn around because I've since gone back there multiple times to that spot. Um, and the spot where you camp is below the, where, like, the floor of the trail by about six or seven inches, okay? Yeah. It actually goes down from the trail. <laughs> so had I, had I decided to trudge along and make it all the way to that spot, I would have been setting up a tent in close to three feet of water. Three feet of water. In other words, I would not have been setting up a tent. Unless it floats. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I, what do you do at that point? I mean, your only option is to turn around. I mean, even if I had a hammock, I wasn't going to set up a hammock with, like, standing in three feet of water. Right, yeah. Um, and then hop in soaking wet um, and get the dog in the hammock with me. I, there, there are times where I guess the smart thing to do is to turn around. It's... It's not that much fun to just, okay, I mean, you have nothing besides dry clothes, I suppose, Mm. uh, to look forward to when you just kind of give up and you turn around and you start going back the other way. Plus, you know what you have already trudged through. And I had trudged through probably a good mile or so of of, uh, knee to thigh deep water. 
and I knew that all I had to look forward to was that again. Yeah. Well, I gotta give you credit. I never would have gone past probably knee deep water. Well, my theory on that was uh, I my boots had already filled up with water. So why not? I had nothing better to do, you know? Right, I suppose. And um, the dog survived. Uh, he's three and a half years old now. Um, so I can't say that I put his life in any, in, in any real danger. But it was rather entertaining watching him float like a buoy while, <laughs> while, poop, <laughs> while pooping out diarrhea. Yeah. That must have been so that, that, interesting. So that's kind of my story for the week. Yeah. Well, my st- I'm you... not quite as articulate of a storyteller as you are, but uh, what's come to my mind, uh, what stands out to me is a just kind of one of the times that nature just kind of took my breath away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I go up to the White Mountain National Forest in New Hampshire, <clears throat> and uh, when I was in high school, and probably like the f- six years after high school, uh, my friends and I made a yearly trip up there in the summer to go uh, hike Mount Washington. And <clears throat> Mount Washington is pretty famous. It's the uh, highest mountain in New England, I believe, and it's also got some of the uh, worst recorded weather in the United States, uh, just because of where it's positioned and weather patterns and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> so we left one time to go up there, and we always camped out in a campground a uh, couple of miles south of the mountain, outside of the park. Um, and so we would leave, you know, Friday after work, get up there set up camp, um, hopefully before dark, we'd get up there and have our camp set up, we'd all hang out, start a fire, cook a dinner, you know, burgers on the grill, and whatever, hot dogs and stuff, and we'd all have a good time the first night there, and then we'd wake up, maybe four or five o'clock in the morning, just about when the sun's coming up. Uh, And I believe this time it was uh, early September we were up there. So it was decent, decent weather for camping down at, uh, at the base of the mountains. And so we decided that we were going to go. It was probably, it's a little chilly, like 50, maybe 55 degrees that morning. Uh, So we drive, it's like a half hour drive from the campground to the base of Mount Washington. And we always go from the Cog Railway side and take the Ammanusik Trail up to the top. It's the most scenic trail, follows the Ammanusik River. And uh, so we got there, bright blue skies. You could see the summit of the mountain. Beautiful day. We figured, you know, it's about, I would say, a five or six hour hike if you're not really in any rush to get up and down. So we we head up, going along, get above the tree line. It's starting to get a little a little chilly. Um, 
and <clears throat> we were prepared, obviously, you know, we had our windbreakers and boots and pants on and stuff, and we kept going, and the, uh, the, the air started getting moister, and the wind starts blowing, and <clears throat> it's getting colder and colder as we're climbing up, and finally, you know, basically with the moisture in the air and the wind and everything, we can't really see very far. You can see maybe 10 feet in front of you. Uh, luckily, they do have markers, piles of rocks above, once you get above the tree line every, you know, maybe 50 feet down the trail. So as long as you can see one of those, you kind of have an idea of where you're going. And the trail is pretty easy to follow. It's pretty well worn up there. And so we're following these piles of rocks. We have no idea how much further it is to the top of the mountain. We really don't feel like turning back because we know we're, you know, we're, we're all pretty young and stupid and we decide that we're just going to keep going. <clears throat> Luckily, no one was injured, obviously. Um, so um, we keep going. We get up to the top and there's a break in the clouds. And we start, there's a, they have a radio tower weather uh, observatory up there. And we're looking, and all you can see <clears throat> on any of the buildings, any of any rocks that are sticking up a reasonable height, especially off of the radio tower, is icicles that are, I would say, at least three feet long that are perfectly horizontal hanging off of every structure up there. And it was just... Really, really cool to see. Um, and and uh, yeah, you see those in like pictures of Mount Washington a lot yeah. of times. You know, you see you see the the wind formed uh, ice on the buildings and uh, the observation deck. Um, you, you like you just do a Google image search and you can you can find pictures of all this horizontal snow and ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to actually wit- witness it had to be pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and and witnessing it, and we had absolutely no idea what to expect when we left the ground, you know. It was a, a nice, sunny, warm morning. So, it was just neat. The difference in climate between the bottom of the mountain and the top. Um, yeah, Mount Washington is pretty crazy like that. Um, I know you and I have done it a couple of times, and you get down, you're at the bottom, and you're starting off, and then you get to the top, and it's like you're putting on sweatshirts and stuff like that, even in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, one of the guys who was with us that trip, um he didn't have a winter hat. So when we got to the top, the um you know, they have the uh cafeteria up there, whatever the kitchen in the observatory and he was taking the napkins out of the kitchen and stuffing them in his hat <laughs> in his baseball cap to try and keep his head warm on the way back down. I think you're going to have to tell me who that was uh off the record. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a cool story, though. Like, that's kind of what I want this channel to be about. Is just like all the crazy, awesome stories. Uh, you know, you get outside, and no matter no matter what, um, if you're out there for thirty minutes, well, thirty minutes of life just happened. Yeah. You know, so even if even if you don't think anything really happened, well, something did. 
you know, you witnessed 30 minutes of, of, of something outside. Maybe you can look back at that uh, later on in your life and you can just say, hold, hold, like, I was there. I was sitting there for 30 minutes in complete silence except for, like, birds. And it was just so peaceful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just even if even if your dog wasn't swimming like a dolphin through a river or... <laughs> You got to the top of a mountain and the icicles were completely horizontal and three feet long and just so picturesque. Even if none of those things happen, your life happened, mm. you know, and, and you witness something. You always witness something. No matter what's going on, you're, you're always witnessing something outside. And you can either embrace it or you can say, I'd rather go back inside and play some video games. You got to live your life, you know. Mm. But, and to each his own, too. Yeah, but while you have the opportunity, and maybe maybe you have the curiosity to get outside, to go check out what's going on in the world, to go witness it, to go see what kinds of animals are going to cross your path, you know, you, you get out early enough and you're hiking down a trail and, you know, maybe, maybe three deer cross by, maybe one deer crosses by, I don't know, but they just stop. And they pause. Two last time. They, two deer last time and they, happened to me. Yeah. And they look you in the eye and they just kind of stare at you and you stare at them for just a moment. And everything just kind of stays still for just that second or two. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, then they bounce off and you continue <laughs> on. But you shared a moment with that other animal, you know. Mm. And it's always worth it. Anyway, enough uh, philosophy or psychology or whatever for the day. <laughs> this was a good episode. I liked it. I like just talking about crazy things or interesting things that happened, you know. And the more you get out, the more, uh, the more you're going to witness, the more you're going to experience outside. Yeah. Maybe it's beauty. Maybe it's, maybe it's rain. Maybe it's cold. Um, Maybe maybe what you experience just makes you a better camper. Maybe it makes you stronger. Maybe it makes you appreciate something more. Maybe it appre- makes you appreciate the people you have at home. Maybe maybe your warm bed. <laughs> I don't know. Um, or at least your dry bed. Or, or at least a dry bed, yeah. Because we've we've had wet beds. Yes, we <laughs> or, have. Or wet camp <laughs> wet camping spots. That's for sure. Um, thank you, David. It's uh, it's. It was a good story. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, I guess we will see, or you can find us next week, I guess. Um, that's it for today. Again, this was uh, Campfire Stories. Have a great week. <laughs>